Hey, uh, I want to talk to you today about storms, about storms. And actually, I was going to preach this message that I'm going to preach today. I was going to preach it last week, but because of a storm, <laughs> it got postponed until until today. So anyway, I'm uh, going to talk to you today about storms. Of course, you know, there's been an unprecedented storm in the south and, you know, Texas. And actually, they had a windstorm in California yesterday. They had to postpone the golf tournament. The golfers were ch- chipping. They hit a chip shot or something up by the hole and it would just sit there. And the ball was like, you know, maybe a foot away from the hole. And by the time the wind got done with it, it blew it off the green and down into the sand trap. And so they had to postpone play. But, you know, uh, there are natural storms in life. And there are, uh, you know, that we deal with snowstorms, tornadoes, those kind of hurricanes. But, you know, then there's just the storms of life. You know what I mean? The storms of life. And so that's what I want to talk to you today uh, about mostly is the storms of life. Certainly there are natural storms, like I said, hurricanes and tornadoes and thunderstorms and all of that. But but this is not going to be a weather forecast today. (laughs) Going to talk to you about the storms of life. And I think it'll be helpful to you. I feel that's what the Holy Spirit wants me to talk about uh, last week, but we're doing it. We're doing it today. Um, now, uh, you know, in Mark, the fourth chapter, in Mark, the fourth chapter, uh, Jesus was on his way to deliver the maniac of Gadara from that legion of demons. Okay. And uh, he got into the boat with his disciples in Mark 4, verse 35. You need to remember, though, where he was going. He was headed to deliver the maniac of Gadara. In Mark, the fourth chapter, 35th verse, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And notice verse 37, Mark 4, 37. And a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. It was filling with water. They were taking on water. Luke's gospel account of this says that they were in jeopardy. They were they were in trouble. They were, they, they were going to sink. And then in verse 38, it says, but uh, he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. Now notice what Jesus did in this storm. He rebuked the wind and he spoke to the sea and he said, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now what I want you to note here in this particular storm He rebuked the storm. Okay, and in verse 40, he said to his disciples, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And uh, they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, I think that it is clear that this storm was sent directly by the devil. 
because Jesus was on his way to cast the devil out of that maniac of Gadara, you need to realize the devil can cause storms. He can cause storms, not only in the natural, but have you ever had the devil cause you a storm in your, in your, in your everyday life? And, uh, and it's clear that this was from the devil directly because Jesus rebuked it. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to submit ourselves to God and rebuke the devil, you know. And, uh, and so, uh, and it, it actually is, it is pretty clear to me from verse 40 that the Lord actually was implying that they had enough faith that they could have rebuked the storm. And of course, as I've already said, the Bible teaches us in many other verses that we're supposed to resist the devil and rebuke the devil when he rears his ugly head. And, uh, and, and, uh, you need to realize that, uh, uh, some storms need to be rebuked. Some storms need to, to be rebuked. Now, in certain circles, among those who have learned about the authority of the believer, which would be all of you because we've taught you about the authority that a believer has, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have power and authority in his name. But it, 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 if you've been around teaching uh, where you've learned about the authority of the believer, uh, the default position, you know what I mean when I say the default position? To the position that almost everybody that understands their authority in Christ, the default position that almost everybody takes is to rebuke all storms. You just automatically, if something arises, you just automatically rebuke it. And uh, I want to show you from the Bible today that all storms need not be rebuked. In fact, you see, you'll see in the Bible here that Jesus didn't rebuke all, all the storms. Okay. But again, a lot of times, especially if you've been, you know, around what's known as the word of faith circles, you know, and, and, uh, and you've understood who you are in Christ and all of that. And that's wonderful. But, but what I'm trying to tell you is, so much of the time, whenever there's a storm arise, you know, particularly a storm of life, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, people will just, Christians will just automatically rebuke everything, just rebuke it, rebuke it. But I want to show you today that uh, not all storms in the Bible were rebuked. Now, look at Matthew 14, verse 22. Uh, we have another situation a little later on after this incident I just uh, read to you where there was another storm. And uh, I want you to note as we read here, Jesus didn't rebuke this storm. Uh, notice in Matthew 14, verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go, go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. So the disciples are out on the on the ship in the boat and there's a storm arise, another storm. And the wind was contrary. So there's a storm. Now, in the fourth watch of the night. Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now notice here, 
he's not rebuking the sea like he did in that last incident. He's not rebuking the sea, but he's walking on the sea. Did you ever notice that? See, a lot of times whenever a storm arises, we just just rebuke it, just rebuke it. But here we see that Jesus isn't rebuking this this storm. He's walking on top of it. You know, that's a miracle, isn't it? But here he's walking on the sea, not rebuking it. And verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them. Now notice here, he didn't speak to the storm, he spoke to them. See, in that last incident, he spoke to the storm. You know what I'm talking about? But here we don't see him. The point is he's not speaking to the storm, he's speaking to them. Now, yes, he did talk to them in that other incident, but the point I'm trying to get across to you is in that other incident, he he spoke to the storm. Here he's walking on top of the storm and speaking to them. And notice what he said. He said, be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. Now, notice in this incident, he's not implying to them that they should have rebuked this particular storm. But notice in the midst of this storm, they were supposed to be of good cheer and not fear. You know, the Bible says in the book of James, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials and temptations and things like that. And, 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 and that's what these disciples were in the middle of right here. And, uh, in this case, it's not a matter of rebuking the storm. It, it's, it's a matter of being joyful in the midst of it, not fearing. And then in verse 28, Peter answered and said to him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. <laughs> That's another miracle right there. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? We could preach a whole message on on Peter. And, you know, when he had his eyes on Jesus and he was in faith, he was walking on the water. When he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. And then he cried out. You see the graciousness of God, you know, of the Lord Jesus and saving him. We could preach a whole message on that, but that's not the way I'm going here today, I'm trying to talk to you about storms and try to show you that some storms you rebuke, but others you don't, you don't. And in this case, I don't see where Jesus rebuked the storm at all, but rather he told his disciples, as I've already said, to be of good cheer in the midst of it. Keep your chin up in the midst of it. Don't be afraid in the midst of it. You understand that? And then notice here in verse uh, 22, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, the wind did cease. All right. But I don't see them rebuking it. I don't see Jesus rebuking it. I don't see him telling his disciples to rebuke it. But they get into the boat. Peter and Jesus get into the boat. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. But then if you read John's account of this, this, of course, is Matthew's account. But if you read John's account of this, something interesting happened when uh, Jesus got onto the boat. Something interesting happened when Jesus got onto the boat. 
If you read John, if you want the verse on it, it's John 6, 21. Something interesting happened immediately when Jesus got onto the boat in John's account. The Bible says immediately the boat was at the land that they were going. Now that's a miracle right there, isn't it? They were supernaturally translated from where they were out on that sea over to the land where they were going. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, you could preach a whole message there, you know, let Jesus on your boat, you know. I think I preached a message about that one time, you know, if you're in the midst of the storm and Jesus comes walking by, you know, let him on your boat. Because because notice when he got on the boat, the wind did cease. All right. The wind did cease. The storm did stop. And immediately they were at the place where they were supposed to that where they were supposed to get to. And uh, and so but the point that I want to get across to you here is that uh, Jesus never rebuked this storm. I've already said it, but I'm trying to get that across to you because you see a lot of times people who are out of the word of faith circles, you know, they write them right away. Anything comes up, they're going to start rebuking something in the name of Jesus. And, and sometimes a storm, now you know when I say a storm, I'm talking about a storm of life, but also it would apply to, you know, a, a, a natural storm too. But right away people just want to, Christians a lot of times they just want to start rebuking everything. But in this storm, Jesus never rebuked it. He walked on top of it and he told his disciples to be of good cheer. You know, that's real good advice, isn't it? And you need to realize not all storms are directly sent by the devil. Now, I do believe the devil does send storms. And natural storms and the storms of life. But you also need to realize that we live in a fallen world. And because we live in a a fallen world, there's just bad things that happen sometimes. And, and, and the devil isn't necessarily directly, maybe indirectly, but not directly causing all the bad things that happen. You need to realize that. And so the point is not all storms are to be rebuked. Now, how do you know if a storm should be rebuked or not? That's the question. And the answer is very simple. Be led by the Holy Spirit. And if you're led by the Holy Spirit, he'll let you know what storms need to be rebuked and what storms don't. I like what one good minister says. He says this. He says the answer to a thousand and one questions is this. Be led by the Holy Spirit. And you know that's the truth, isn't it? Be led by the Holy Spirit. So how do we know? Pastor, how do I know if I'm supposed to rebuke the storm or not? Be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, we've rebuked storms right out of this sanctuary over the many years. Now, I'm talking about natural storms now. You know, where they've, they've, the, the, the weather forecasters have put a bullseye on St. Louis. And they've said, you know, the Torcon levels are high and that we're going to get blown off the map. You know, you, know, you know that as well as I do. You've been here. And we've taken our authority in the name of Jesus. And we've rebuked those storms. And I tell you what, again and again over the years, we've watched those storms. We've watched them go north. We've watched them go south because we give them multiple choice. You know that we tell them they can go north. They can go south or they can they can break up before they get here. And half of them can go north. The other half can go south or they can dissipate, you know. 
And again and again, we've seen that happen. Praise the Lord. We really have. I know one time there was a, uh, uh, they put the weather forecasters, put a bullseye on, on this particular area, Fenton, Missouri, right here. And we stood up here on a Sunday morning and, and, and cause the storm was supposed to come later that day and we rebuked it in the name of the Lord Jesus, you know. And I, I know one guy, he, he, uh, called me later that when, when the storm was going on, he was all excited cause he had his radar on his phone. He said, Pastor Terry, this is freaking me out. This, this thing, half, it broke up right when it got, right when it got to Fenton, it broke up. Half of it went north and the other half of it went south. Can you say amen to that? Glory to God. Because see, it was a storm that was going to do damage and destroy. And we used the authority that we have in the name of Jesus and we did something about it. See, we rebuked it. But then I think of another individual, uh, a certain pastor friend of mine from days gone by. Uh, every time there would be a, a snowstorm that was predicted, you know, for the, this St. Louis area, he'd begin rebuking. You know, I, I mean, even if they said it's going to be two inches of snow, he'd start rebuking. <laughs> you know, bless his heart. He'd just start rebuking that. How many of you know if you live in St. Louis, you're going to get a two inch snow, uh, snow every once in a while, aren't you? Or a six inch snow. You know what I'm saying? You know, or, or an eight inch snow, you know. I mean, there's no sense in rebuking those. Because that's just normal and natural for the area, you know. But if something's going to do destruction, steal, kill and destroy, you understand that. Then you can stand against it and rebuke it. But you see, uh, some storms are to be rebuked and some storms are not. And, uh, uh, you know, if you get a two inch snowstorm or a six inch snowstorm or even a foot coming through that, you don't rebuke that. You just get your sled out and go out and enjoy it. Is that right? <laughs> I didn't get an amen on that one. Huh? Okay. But you understand what I'm talking about, though? And no sense in rebuking a six inch snowstorm in St. Louis, you know. You get in the point I'm trying. Some storms are to be rebuked and some storms aren't. Same thing in your everyday life. And by the way, when I'm talking about this, be sure you have yourself a good insurance policy just in case you're rebuking a storm and the devil does slip in somehow or another and he blows your roof off. You know, he huffs and puffs and blows your roof off. Have a good insurance policy. See, we we not only need to do smart things in the spirit realm, but we need to do smart things in the natural realm and have a good insurance policy. If the devil does slip in, blow your roof off, then you got a good insurance policy and build it back as good as it was before. Now, can you say amen to that? But some storms, as we'll see as we go, and we already saw it, it's not a matter of rebuking. It's a matter of keeping a good attitude in the midst of it and enduring it with a good and a right attitude and staying joyful and not fearing, you see. Now, you know, speaking of storms, did you know some storms we bring on ourselves? I'm talking about the storms of life now. Some storms we bring on ourselves. Do you ever hear of Jonah in the Old Testament? You remember Jonah in the Old Testament? The Old Testament prophet Jonah? Now, he uh, was told by God to go to a certain uh, city, Nineveh, and preach to it. You know, he disobeyed God and he went the other way and, and, and did just the opposite of what God told him to do. And the Bible says that because of Jonah's disobedience, the Lord sent the storm out. Did you know God can send a storm out too? Did you know that? 
Now, one thing I've noticed about God's storms, when the devil, st- send, when the devil sends out a storm, he's trying to kill and, and steal and destroy and kill as many people as he can. But God doesn't do that. When he sends out a storm, uh, uh, there's a purpose behind it. And, you know, God, when, when, when God sends out a storm and when God does things, you know, particularly in the area of judgment, I've noticed there's no collateral damage. Did you know God is a pinpoint accurate shot? Did you know that? I said, did you know that? You know, at times, you know, you'll see a, a hurricane come through, you know, a certain area or whatever, you know, and, 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 and people say, oh, that was a judgment of God. And, you know, you'll see a, you'll see a, a, a an orphanage get destroyed and you'll see a, a beer hall not touched. Now, you know, God's a better shot than that, isn't he? <laughs> you hear what I just said? So we got to be real careful, you know, what we say is the judgment of God and what's not. But, but I'll say this, that God can send storms of judgment. But he's an accurate shot. You know, you know what I'm saying? And you, how many of you know what I mean by that? You know, he's, there's no collateral damage, you know. And, uh, and so with Jonah, he went after Jonah. Remember, Jonah got on that. Now, Jonah brought that storm on himself, didn't he? God sent it. He got on that ship. And as it went on now, now the mariners on that ship, uh, they got in some trouble uh, because Jonah was on that ship. Now, if you're taking notes, this might be a good thing to write down. You need to be watchful about running with certain people because you can get in the middle of their storm. Have you ever done that? Anybody ever done that beside me? You know, you hook up with the wrong person and you start running with them. And the next thing you know, you're in the middle of their storm. It's not even a storm for you, but you're in the middle of their storm. And that's what happened with the mariners, so to speak. You know, Jonah got on that ship. Now, they didn't know Jonah was running from the Lord at first. But you get my point. You got to be watchful who you're running with. But, but he's on the ship and the ship's about to be torn up. Remember that? And it came to light that Jonah was a problem. They threw Jonah over the, the side. They didn't want to throw him over the side as you read the story. But they threw him over the side. And then God prepared a fish and so on and so forth. How many, how many of you remember that? You remember that story? But you see... Uh, that storm that God sent. See, Jonah brought that on himself. And actually, the goodness of God is seen in that storm because it was meant to get. See, when God does things, God's not like the devil. The devil is a destroyer. God is trying to restore people and help people. You understand? And even when he sends a storm, it was to get Jonah back on track and it was to save Nineveh. You understand that? But it's interesting in the storm with Jonah. Now, listen, if you're taking notes, this would be good to write down. It wasn't a matter of Jonah rebuking the storm. It was a matter of Jonah repenting. See, a lot of people get in a storm and it's of their own doing because of disobedience or whatever it might be. And then you'll watch Christians. I've watched it again and again. They do things to get themselves in a storm and then they'll start rebuking the storm in the name of Jesus. And they're wondering why the storm never dissipates. Well, it's not a matter of rebuking. It's a matter. A lot of times it's a matter of repenting, you see. And that was the situation with Jonah. He didn't need to rebuke. He could rebuke that storm until he's blue in the face, until he has no more voice left to rebuke. And the storm isn't going to go anywhere. It's just going to get worse until he repents. Do you understand that? And actually, you read the story, he wound up in the belly of the fish. And then after three days and three nights, then he repented. I don't know about you, but it wouldn't take me, I don't think, three days and three nights to start praying to the Lord. I mean, Jonah must have been really, really stubborn. 
Took him three days and three nights before he started repenting. But you know, when he repented, God heard his prayer and the fish vomited him back out on dry ground. And then the word of the Lord came to him again the second time. Same message he had for him the first time. You know, God doesn't change his plan for us. His gifts and callings are without repentance. You understand that. And Jonah, you know, it was the same assignment he had before all that happened, you know, with the storm and the fish. But then he went and finished his uh, his assignment. and It was a great success. But the point is, it wasn't a matter of Jonah rebuking the storm. It was a matter of Jonah repenting. And then you see another storm. If you move back before Jonah, you see another storm back in the days of Noah. How many of you remember Noah? And that was another storm that was sent by God. And uh, it, it was more than just a regular storm because the Bible says the fountains of the deep were broken up. The windows of heaven were opened, you know. I mean, that's a storm like, we, like we've never seen here. It flooded the whole earth. Remember that? And uh, the thing about it is, uh, when, that, when, when, when God told Noah about that, how many of you know before God does things, He'll, he'll let people know. He will. The Bible says in Amos, the book of Amos, that God shows things to his prophets before he does things in the earth. Now, his true prophets, you know. How many of you know there's a lot of prophets out there that say they're prophets, but they're not? I taught a message on that not long ago. But, but God does have prophets in the earth that he will speak to before he does things. And then they're supposed to warn the people. You understand that. To get the people ready. And that's what happened in Noah's day. And uh, God spoke to him and, and warned him. Look at, at Hebrews 11, verse 7. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear and prepared an ark for the saving of his household. And then it goes on to say, by which he uh, condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Now, the thing of it is, see, and what I want and the purpose of this message is with with Noah here. See, there was a storm coming. God told him there was a storm coming, told him there was going to be a worldwide flood, you know. And it wasn't a matter of Noah rebuking the storm. How many of you know that wouldn't have done any good? Because the storm was going to be sent by God. God does send storms. Now, if the devil sends a storm, we can rebuke it and be successful in rebuking it. But if God sends a storm, now if we get into a storm of our own doing, then we need to, now we need to, to, to repent, as I've already said. But this storm here was sent by the Lord and it was going to destroy the whole earth. It's not a matter of rebuking the storm, but in this case, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that Noah prepared. If you're taking notes, that would be something to, 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 to mark down and highlight that some storms you just prepare for, you get ready for it. You understand? God will, God will warn you. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. And if there's a storm out in front of you, you know, uh, he'll warn you. He'll let you know somehow or another. You got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Now, I'll say this. You don't need a prophet of God for you to hear from God. You can hear from God for yourself. Now, in the Old Testament, they, they, the people didn't hear from God directly. I mean, they needed the prophet to hear from the Lord because they didn't have the Holy Ghost in them like you and I have. But we've got the Holy Ghost in us. 
You understand that? And so we don't need a prophet to hear from God for us. We can hear from God for ourselves. And he'll warn us of the Bible says, Jesus said the Holy Spirit who's on the inside of us, if we're a believer, he'll warn us of things to come and get us ready. And so uh, when God warns us that a storm is coming, now, now, if it's sent, if it's sent by the devil, rebuke it. But if it's something that, that, that isn't directly sent by the devil, then what you do is you prepare and you get ready. Can you say amen to that? And you be, do like Jesus told his disciples in that, 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 that second storm that he was in that I just told you about. Be of good cheer and count it all joy. Get ready for it. You understand that? Now look, if you would, at Acts, the 27th chapter, and I want to look at another storm that the Apostle Paul got into. And this uh, this storm now, you need to realize this, this situation that Paul got into was beyond his control. And sometimes we get into storms. You know, I, I said earlier in this message that, you know, sometimes you hook up with the wrong pro, uh, wrong person and you wind up in a storm. It's not even a storm meant for you, but you're in the middle of it because, because you're you're in the middle of somebody else's storm. You understand that. So you have to be watchful. And sometimes you have to just get away from some folk. Do you notice there's some stormy people? They always got storms swirling around them. You ever notice that besides me? You know, I, I've tried to not be that kind of person myself where there's always a storm swirling around me. But some people, they just always have a storm swirling around them. You know what I'm talking about. Those kind of people, a lot of times you just got to stay away from them. Otherwise, you get sucked into the vortex of their storm, you know. You understand? But sometimes we get into storms and there's situations beyond our control. And that's what we're going to read about here with the Apostle Paul. He got into a storm that was beyond his control. Now, here in Acts, the 27th chapter, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, verse 1, and we'll just read various few, we'll read selected verses in here for the sake of time. Acts 27, verse 1, when the time came, we set sail for Italy, Paul and several other prisoners, notice he was a prisoner. So he didn't have direct say over whether they should sail or not. You need to realize that. So this was beyond his control. Notice uh, several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer. Now look at verse four. Putting out to sea from there, we encountered strong headwinds that made it difficult to keep the ship on course. Now verse seven. We had now we had several days of slow sailing, and after great difficulty, now we now we saw in verse four there they had headwinds. There's some stormy weather, you know. And now verse seven, we had several days of slow sailing. Did you ever notice storms can slow you down a little bit? And after great difficulty, we finally neared Nidus, uh, but the wind was against us. So you see stormy weather. So we sailed across to Crete and along the sheltered coast of the island past the Cape of Salmon. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of uh, Lacia. We... uh, Now notice we uh, had lost a lot of time. Do you ever notice storms can slow you down and cost you cost you a lot of time? Now notice this. Verse nine. The weather was becoming dangerous for this for sea travel because it was so late in the fall. Now, you know, common sense right here. This was an unsafe time. To sail. You know, you know, as well as I do that, that that sometimes. Uh. Uh, uh, you know, how do I want to say this? 
uh, I'll say it this way. You know, there's hurricane season. Have you ever heard of hurricane season? And, and, and Diane and I, the, 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 sometimes when we've gone on vacation, you know, a couple of times there we went uh, into the Caribbean down there. But we never did schedule a vacation during hurricane season. Now, that's smart, isn't it? Is that smart? I mean, why would you want to schedule a vacation when, when it's during hurricane season? You know, so that's kind of what 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 the Bible is. It's exactly what the Bible's saying here is unsafe. It's unsafe to sail because it was that time of year that where they shouldn't have been sailing. Uh, but and notice that Paul's verse nine there. Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. So Paul is even see, we need to follow not only the, the spiritual realm, but we need to be aware of what's going on in the natural realm. You understand that? And uh, uh but here, it's a dangerous time to sail. But we're going to see they're going to sail anyway. And on top of that, so Paul speaks to the officers about it. Say, hey, do you guys know this is not a good time to sail, naturally speaking? But then something kicks in in verse 10. Look at this. Men, he said, I believe, actually, what he said here, I perceive. You study into this. He, Paul had a leading of the Holy Spirit. Not only naturally was it a, a, a unsafe time to sail, but Paul had the leading of the Holy Spirit. The King James said, I perceive the uh, New Living Translation said, I believe. But actually, I perceive he had a leading of the Holy Spirit. He said, there's trouble ahead if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo and danger to our lives as well. Now, how many of you know if Paul's got that, the Apostle Paul, I don't want to be on that ship, do you? Now, I'm not a big vacationer, and I don't leave Fenton too much, but you know, for not leaving Fenton too much, I've seen a lot of the world. We have taken some vacations, but uh, I'm not a big flyer. I don't care to fly. Now, I actually, I, li I like flying, but there's just something about being up in that jet. I don't know what it is. I don't have, I guess I don't have control. You know, when you're driving a car, if something goes wrong, you can pull off to the side of the road, you know, but when, how many of you know when you're up in the big jet, uh, you <laughs> Yeah, something goes wrong. Yeah, first time I got on the big jet, I wanted to know where the <laughs> I wanted to know where the parachutes were, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I, I said all that to say. I mean, I'm definitely not related to the Wright brothers. You need to realize that. I <clears throat> I told one lady one time when we uh, landed after a flight was over, and she was sitting inside of me because Diane. Uh, Tries to sit in another seat where she don't have to sit with me during the flight. But, but, but I sit next to this lady and we landed at Lambert Airport out there. We got back from wherever, wherever Diane and I was going. I didn't know the lady, but we landed and uh, we were taxiing over to the terminal. And I told her, I said, ma'am, I want to tell you something right now. This, this, we landed. I said, this, this is the most favorite part of the flight for me right here is, is we're down safe on the runway and we're taxiing over to the terminal. She looked at me and she said, sir, you're definitely not related to the Wright brothers, are you? <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. But, I, but anyway, there was one, uh, how many remembers uh, 2001? You remember that? And Diane and I, we were planning on going up to the New York area, into that area for vacation. And, and Diane loves to go on vacation and she loves to fly. And she came to me and she said, uh, she said, you know, I just don't have peace about, uh, about going up there. 
<laughs> Amen. I tell you what, if my wife says uh, uh, she don't want to get go on vacation or fly, man, I tell you what, I'm, my ears are going to going to perk up. I'm going to listen to that. You know, we didn't go up there. And guess what happened in 2001 up in New York? 9-11. Now, I'm not saying we'd have been in New York City at that time, but we'd have been up in that area. And how many of you know it was a mess up there? See, the Lord, the Lord kept us from that. My wife was being led by the Holy Spirit. Because when it comes to flying and all of that, I leave all... Now, I do all the... Well, we hear from God together. God will speak to me, confirm it through her. But when it comes to to vacationing and all that and flying, I leave all the hearing from God to her. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? (laughs) And so, uh, 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 so if she doesn't have peace about it, I tell you what, I'm not getting on that plane. Can you say amen to that? <laughs> but it protected us from some danger, potentially. But nonetheless, notice right here, let's get back to the Bible here. Paul, uh, he did not have uh, peace with this in the spirit. He didn't have peace with this in the spirit, and it was a dangerous time to sail. But notice verse 11, the officer in charge... Of the prisoners listen more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Isn't that sad? That's sad, isn't it? And then if you read on here in the next several verses, a terrible hurricane arises. Terrible one. Terrible. And notice verse 20. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars. Now, actually, this went on for 14 days, two weeks. And there was 276 people on board this ship. Paul was a prisoner. Okay, he didn't have any, he could only talk to them about, about, you know, I wouldn't recommend sailing and all that, but they, but he had no control over it. And, and there was a terrible storm. See, Paul's in this storm, but it's, it's beyond his control. And, uh, and, and, and notice the Bible says, uh, that the storm was so bad it blotted out the sun and the stars until all hope was gone. Now, that's a bad storm, isn't it? In verse 21, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You you would have avoided all this damage and loss. You know, some storms can be avoided. And if they would have just listened to Paul, if they had just realized, hey, it's dangerous to sail and we should listen to this man of God, but they didn't. You know, some storms can be avoided. That's why we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We need to be sensitive to the natural realm, all right? But we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because if we'll be, there's some storms can be avoided. See, my wife and I, we avoided being in in the New York area on 9-11 because she was sensitive to the Spirit of God there, you see. You understand that? And my wife and I, we've avoided a lot of storms because we've been sensitive to the Spirit of God, you know. Now, we hadn't been perfect on it, but but the Holy Ghost has really helped us over the years, you know. And uh, but no, nonetheless, now they're in this terrible storm. Look at verse 22. But take courage. None of you will. Now, I want you to notice in this storm, Paul never rebuked it one time. He never rebuked it one time that I can find. But he did tell the people, he said, verse 22, take courage. None of you will lose your lives Now, that's good news, isn't it? Even though the ship will go down. Well, that's bad news. But the good news is that nobody's going to die. You can replace a boat, but you can't replace a life. Is that right? For last night, look at verse 23. This is some of the greatest verses in the Bible here. For last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. 
And he said, don't be afraid, Paul. See, now the angel didn't tell him to rebuke the storm, told him to not be afraid. Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. See, Paul must have prayed for him. And God's answering his request. See, sometimes we get in storms and maybe they're beyond our control, but we don't necessarily need to rebuke the storm, but we need to pray in the midst of it and pray for others that that, that might be going to be hurt by it, you see. You understand what I'm saying? In verse 25, so take courage, for I believe God, God it'll be just as he said. But, uh, but, but we will be shipwrecked on the island. Well, shipwreck, that's bad, but at least we're all going to be alive. Then look at verse 30. Then the sailors, now watch this. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. Now that sounds like, now, now watch the being led here. Now they're listening, now they're listening to Paul. See, they weren't listening to him before, but now they're listening to him in the midst of this storm. Now that sounds like good sound advice, but see how important it is to be led by God in the midst of the storm. Look at this, verse 31. But Paul said, now they're going to let down this lifeboat, but what? Paul said to the commanding officers and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. Think about that. And then he says, so the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Now, see, that makes no sense in the natural realm. But you see, uh, now they're being they're listening to the man of God. They're being led by the spirit, you see. And sometimes in the midst of the storm, the Holy Spirit will tell you to do something that doesn't make any sense in the natural. But you need to listen to him. And, 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 uh, and I tell you what, it can save your life. It can save your life. So maybe you're in the middle of a storm. Maybe it was beyond your control. Whatever the case. Hey, hey, whatever, however it was, start listening to God right where you are. And he'll start talking to you and he'll help you get out of the thing. And as it went on, the ship was torn apart. But everyone escaped alive. Isn't that wonderful? So this storm could have been avoided. It was beyond Paul's control. Paul did not rebuke it, but he prayed in the midst of it and successfully escaped. Now, wasn't success in that the boat was lost, but all the lives were the important things. The important, the important thing is that nobody died. So it's not a matter of rebuking. It's a matter of just praying in the midst of it and being sensitive to the spirit of God. Now, as I begin to close this message, I'm going to share some things with you as I begin to close here. With what I feel like the Spirit of God wanted me to say here at this point. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, and that, uh, my, when I was growing up, we had a garage. In fact, the garage still stands back there where I live. But there was a garage and it faces the west. And my mother would tell me as a young boy, she said, if you want to know what the weather is going to be like, go look behind the garage. Because it behind the garage was to the west. And you know the storms typically come from the west. I didn't know that back there then. So if I wanted to know what the weather was doing, I'd just go look behind the garage. I'm talking when I was four, five, six, seven, eight years old. So you look behind the garage. And the garage is still there. And guess what I'm still doing? I'm still, I'm still looking behind the garage. Because that's out to the west. That's where the storms come from. My mother told me that. Look behind the garage. So I'm going to just say these things. And you can take them for whatever they're worth. But I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to share something a little bit prophetic here with you as we close. Is that okay? 
And I'm sharing this to just get you ready for what lay out in front here in the United States. You know, the United States and the world has been going through a medical storm with COVID, hasn't it? And we've just come through a political storm with the events of the last election in January 6th. Is that right? Before COVID happened, the Holy Spirit warned us from this sanctuary right here that a giant, or we could say a storm, was arising in the land. Remember that? Which had to do with COVID. See, the Lord was getting us ready for what was coming. And he also said that, that if there was not national repentance, there would be one wave or one calamity right after the next. Now, they might not happen just one, you know, success, success, one right after the other. But, you know, you'd have a calamity and then there'd be another calamity and then another calamity. And we, we've, we've seen that already beginning to come to pass. And because there's not been national repentance, as I've been looking behind the spiritual garage, so to speak, as I've been praying and seeking the Lord and looking behind the, you know, looking behind the garage, the spiritual garage, if you will, that has not changed. Calamities on the horizon for this nation. One right after the, the next. You all want to hear what I feel the Holy Ghost is saying? Yes. And then you can judge it. And if you don't think it's the Holy Ghost, then throw it out. But pay attention and hang on every word. Because there's not been national repentance, you'll see one calamity right after the next. You understand what I mean by that? I don't mean one will end on Friday and another one will begin on Monday, but I'm just saying just you get done with one and you think that's over and then another one will come up. And you get done and you think that's over, then another one will come up. Might not end on a Friday and start on a Monday. You understand, I don't know the timing on it, but... One right after another. Because there's not been national repentance in the land. In 2001, God gave the United States, I believe, its last call. And then he gave us 19 years to repent. And I don't know if you've ever followed Jonathan Kahn. Most of the prophets in this land right now, nationally, as I've looked, are, are, are not prophets at all, but... Jonathan Kahn, I believe, is a prophet. And you do well to look him up on YouTube and listen to some of the things he's been saying. And I believe the USA is following the template for Israel that he's been sharing. And God's given this nation 19 years to repent. And it's not repented, but actually it's moved further away from God. And as we move on out in time... You will see storms. And I'm not talking about natural storms. That could be part of it. But, but I'm talking about, about calamities. 
storms that will come to this nation, calamities, if you will, because some of them will be because the wages of sin is death. And there's much sin in this land. Some will come as a result of the devil attacking to steal, kill, and destroy as many as he can. And also, and listen carefully, the Lord will be sending some storms, if you will, or some calamities. Judgment. I've said for years, the judgment of God is pending on this nation. Remember, his judgment is pinpoint and accurate. It could inconvenience his people some, but it won't destroy his people. As we move on out in time, now you mark my words, you listen to this. Pulpits, pulpits, I'm talking about pulpits, ministers, so-called prophets, and I've spoke about those a couple of weeks ago, will be judged for propagating lies. Pews, I'm talking about Christians who have committed idolatry. I didn't say adultery, I said idolatry. And they've put men up ahead of Jesus and things up ahead of Jesus will be judged because of idolatry. And you'll see those that they have made idols out of will be removed off of the scene and taken away from them. There'll be judgment in the political arena. Politicians on both sides of the aisle who do not stand for the truth and what is right. Those who defend the indefensible and lie to maintain their power will have their power stripped away from them. There'll be judgment in the news media, both liberal and conservative, who do not repent and begin to report the news accurately and without bias. And there'll be judgment in the financial arena and economic arena as well. And you'll see Ezekiel chapter 7 verses 26 and 27 in this nation. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Ezekiel chapter 7, verses 26 and 27. It says, calamity will follow calamity. Now why? Because this nation has been given time to repent. And it has not. Ezekiel 7, verse 26. Calamity will follow calamity. Storm will follow storm, if you will. Rumor will follow rumor. Actually, that means news report will follow news report. You'll have breaking news like you've never seen before. And the Bible says they, the people, will look in vain for a vision from the prophets. Because as you've seen in this nation, this nation is in, is in trouble, prophetically speaking. The, prophet, the prophetic institution in this nation is in a mess. And you can see that by looking at the prophecies that have been going on over the last year or so or more. And I spoke about that a couple of weeks ago. It says they'll look in vain for a vision from the prophets. In vain for a vision from the prophets. People that call themselves prophets, but they're not. 
And then they'll receive no teaching from the priests and no counsel from the leaders. Did you know that primarily, as you check out, nationally speaking, so much of the teaching, as I've told you for years, it's just feel-good messages. And we're coming up on a time now where, where, where people need sound doctrine and teaching of the Word of God, not just self-help, feel-good messages all the time. It says they'll receive no teaching from the priests and no counsel from the leaders. And then verse 27, why? Because it's not there primarily. There's some, but not very much. And then verse 27, the king and the prince will stand helpless. This is talking about political leaders. They will stand helpless, weeping in despair. Look for that to happen in this nation like you've not seen it before. The politicians standing helpless, weeping in despair. And the people's hands. We're talking about people who have not served God. The people's hands will tremble with fear. I will bring on them the evil they have done to others. And he's talking about abortion right here. Abortion is sin. It must be stopped in this land. I've said for years, and I'll say it again. I tell you, God has got to be welcomed back into the public school and the public square. You've got to do away with abortion, and you've got to fix the same-sex marriage, that thing that they passed about, about the same sex. I tell you what, homosexuality is sin. It cannot be the law of the land. It cannot be acceptable in this land. Until those three things get squared up and God is accepted back into the public square and the public school and, 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 and abortion is outlawed and, and, and uh, marriage is seen the way the Bible sees it and recognized by the United States as a man and a woman, as a husband and wife. Till we get back to that, you can look for calamity after calamity. I'll bring on them the evil they've done to others. Talking about the ungodly of the United States. And they will receive the punishment they so richly deserve. Then they will know that I'm the Lord. And why is God going to do all this? Why is all this going to happen? Because he wants, listen to me, he wants the people of the United States to turn to him. He wants Christians who have not been on fire for him to turn back to him. And he wants sinners saved. Can you say amen to that? So how do you endure all these these things, how do you endure? I'll close with this. Matthew 7, verse 24. Jesus said, our Lord said this, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Glory to God. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house and it fell and great was its fall. These are some words that you need to keep real close to your vest as we move on out here into the future. Build your foundation on the word of God. If you haven't already, start doing it right now. Hear it. Do it and be led by the Holy Spirit. If a storm needs to be rebuked, rebuke it in the name of Jesus. If you brought a storm on yourself like Jonah, repent. If you're in the middle of somebody else's storm, then you're going to have to distance yourself from that person. But to those who obey God and prepare like Noah, they will sail above the storms. They'll ride them out 
and they'll make it to the other side of the sea. And like with Paul, the ship might get destroyed. But you, if you'll serve God and be led by His Spirit, will survive. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would. If you're out there on social media, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, repent of your sins and cry out to Him and He'll save you. You'll miss hell, you'll make heaven, and He'll make your life worth living in the meantime. As far as these other things that I've said... Uh, Listen carefully, build your foundation on the word of God so that when these calamities, we've already we're we've already seen them. We're already in the midst of them. Uh, Have that foundation on the word of God and you'll be able to stand strong through them in Jesus name. Okay, thanks for joining us today. God bless you.